The key to really effective, smart investing is actually taking the emotion out of the equation. And I love the expression that says, the higher the emotion, the lower the intelligence. And I think that's very, very true in, in investing. And so personal level, you know, when I was 30 years old, you know, I, I was been talking about wanting financial freedom. There's a big difference between wanting something and being committed to it. And so I sat down for four hours on a Sunday, never forget it. And I just took out a spreadsheet and I said, okay, what does that mean, financial freedom? And I got really, really clear. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Dave Allred. And today we're talking about lifestyle design, creating freedom, creating satisfaction through real estate investing, through their lens of Dave's story by, by doing so. He got started in real estate investing just prior to the Great Recession, and he tells us about those early on deals. And he also teaches us how he scaled his portfolio, how he managed his mindset and his time to enable that to happen. And then he tells us about what's coming in the future for him and his partners. It is big, big, big time stuff. He's really grown. He left his job in 2017 and has just continued to grow. He left his career of 17 years to be a full-time real estate investor, real estate professional. And he shares a lot of very insightful, helpful, and actionable knowledge today. If you want to scale your portfolio, but also be mindful of the life satisfaction slash lifestyle design that you gain out of that portfolio, this is the interview for you. A lot of great knowledge in here from Dave, and you're going to enjoy it. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, and schedule a call with me. I look forward to speaking with you then and learning more about what you're up to. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. I say this every time and I mean it every single time. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see your reviews as well. I get to see that you're learning from the content, you're engaging and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please do share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Help them grow as well along with yourself. Grow and help others grow. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, do look us up, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Dave Allred. A lot of great knowledge in this one. Without any further ado, here we go. Dave, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Taylor. Excited to be here with you, man. Been a great conversation so far, and I know you have a lot of knowledge for our listeners that they're going to really uh, get a lot out of today. For those out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do now and also you know, where you come from, the, the beginnings of you know, getting into the professional world? Sure. From Utah, grew up in a very small town, very low income, you know, blue, blue collar home. And uh, when I was going to college, Snow College, they had a recruiting booth set up and it was to go out and knock doors to go sell home security systems out in Chicago. And, uh, you know, I knew it wasn't gonna be something that was gonna be fun. I knew it was gonna be hard, challenging, but, you know, I've always kind of lived my life based on 
trying to always be uncomfortable. And you know, I realized a long time ago that personal development happens on the fringe of the of your comfort zone. And so I've always tried to, you know, push myself because I realize that when you go through those those hardships and those hard experiences and those things that are challenging, we always come out stronger on the other end on the other end. And so I jumped into it, went out to Chicago, hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Other knocking doors, trying to sell them security systems. A lot of failure, got my teeth kicked in, you know, about halfway through the summer, thinking about quitting. Most of the team, the guys on the team quit. Wasn't going very well at all, but uh, luckily I was able to stick through and kind of grind through that. Ended up having a really good finish to, you know, that summer season as a college student. I mean, I made $31,000, which for me was was huge. It was unreal. It was more than my parents had ever made. And it was something I was really proud of. Uh, you know, and it was a, a big enough win for me to be able to come back the next year as a sales manager, you know, top first year sales manager, and then come back as a manager the next year and a regional manager and then a VP of sales for this company. Um, so I ended up, you know, it's going to be four months in the summertime. It turned into a 17 year career managing 121 sales teams across the country. And yeah, it was awesome. You know, we, you know, and then in 2015, I jumped over to a sister company that was selling residential solar door to door. You know, I spent three years over with that company and then eventually just retired and, and went into real estate full time. I was always investing in real estate along the way, you know, taking that active income over into passive income, probably just because it wasn't fun <laughs> doors, and money, you know, and I did love the leadership side of it, you know, leading thousands of sales people across the country. You know, there's a lot of fulfillment that comes from that and the value you can create for, you know, young people that are coming up into Teaching them salesmanship and recruiting and leadership. Those are three very valuable skill sets in the market. And so really enjoyed, you know, that whole side of the business, but I always knew I wanted more freedom in my life. And I wanted to have a ton of freedom to be able to do, to live life how Dave already wanted, wanted to, right? And it was doing business with people I wanted to be doing business with when I wanted to be doing it and wherever I wanted to be doing business. And so, you know, the short answer there. Taylor is, I just realized a long time ago, I wanted a ton of freedom, man. And I, and I really believe that if I worked hard and I, you know, was smart with my investment approach and put that into passive income investments that eventually I'd pay off and I'd be grateful for that approach. And so 2017, I jumped, you know, both those companies ended up exiting, you know, IPOs for multi-billion dollar valuations. So it was really fun to be a part of that and see that success and the scale. And just the you know the business principles and 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 anyway, really grateful for the lessons learned to be able to observe and be a part of that. But uh, yeah, 2017 jumped into real estate full time, and it's been a wild ride. But uh, wouldn't have it any other way. It's been an amazing last five years. Just really getting you know kind of aggressive in my approach with real estate. Um, currently, so so you know originally started out buying some towns and condos, and it was you know fourplexes and. 25 fourplexes. And then from there, it was moving up into commercial multifamily, apartment complexes, et cetera. From there, it was going up into syndications. You know, we raised capital and kind of quarterback the deal and, you know, bring people into the deal with me. Did about a dozen of those. And then uh, the next step was to launch a real estate fund. So we launched Axie Partners, our real estate fund, about a year ago, focused on recession resilient passive income through real estate. And it's been incredible, man. It was, you know, it was a pretty small first fund with a $20 million equity raise. We acquired about $60 million in assets in our first year. And we are launching several new funds here in 2022. And we're really excited about, uh, you know, we kind of basically built the, built the platform, built the team, you know, made sure we ironed out some of those things. And, and now it's going to get really fun. So super excited about that. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you've been having fun all along the way. And I want to, 
you take a second and uh, first off, you mentioned you got your teeth kicked in when you were doing door to door sales. I hope that was figurative and not literal, but uh, you know, just being a little you know, humorous there. Your teeth look good, so you know, it was <laughs> figurative. But rewinding the clock to when you started investing in real estate, but you have a pretty you know extensive, a uh, longer track record than you know many of our our listeners may have in real estate investing. So you know, let's let's back up to making that first investment. You know, we we understand where you are today. It's awesome. And, you know, let's walk the path to see how you got there and, you know, designed the the life that you created. Sure. So when I first got into real estate, it was actually because I asked my CPA, you know, I, my second year as a, as a manager, uh, I made, you know, really good income and it was more than I expected. And frankly, it was more than I ever really thought I was going to in my life. You know, it was, <laughs> you know, I remember growing up, I was like, Hey, if I can make a hundred grand in a year, that was like the epitome of having made it. That's like my, you know, best case scenario, you know, it really is interesting hanging out. You know, that's another topic on mindset and, you know, how that all works. But I asked my CPA, I said, Hey, you know, what are your wealthy clients doing with their capital? And he said, they're all, every one of them are either buying real estate or investing in businesses or both. And at that point, I was like, you know what? That makes sense. I, I want to know real estate. I'm going to commit myself to becoming a student of the game of real estate. And from that point forward, it was really just being a sponge and soaking it in and, you know, finding mentors, coaches, you know, people that were doing big things in real estate, just trying to get proximity so I could learn as much as I could possibly learn from these guys. And, and, uh, you know, and so my first few deals though, it was back in 2010 timeframe. And I actually bought four townhomes, well, two townhomes and two condos from the auction. So these were short sales, bankruptcies. And I was able to buy those for about a hundred thousand dollars a piece, right? And so literally at the courthouse, I had a friend that was down there. He had his Bluetooth speaker in his ear. You know, he's like, <laughs> all right, Dave, $110,000, just one, you know, it's a townhome in Provo or in Salt Lake. He hadn't seen it, you know, it's literally just taking a shot. But luckily, all four of those ended up being, you know, pretty good rental properties. And uh, I sat on those for a few years. And so that's how I got started. So I picked up four really small single family homes, you know, Real quick though, one thing that you know we talk about scaling, you know, because when I was 30, I set a goal of having, you know, 40 rental properties by age 40, because that gave me true financial freedom. You know, and then I hit that when I was 36. I was like, okay, what's next? And it was I want to have a thousand doors by age 40. And so I committed to that and get that one last December. But when I one of the best ways, you know, people are like, hey, Dave, well, how did you scale your portfolio quickly? Call it the velocity of money. And it's taking advantage of all the equity that we get in these properties. And, you know, I, I never really understood this concept when I first got started. I was always looking at cash on cash returns. But if you look at cash on equity, which is a totally different measurement, you know, as you hold the property, your equity is increasing, not only because the market's going up, but also because of the principal pay down every month through the mortgage, right? And so I realized, you know, a few years into my uh, real estate career, these townhomes and condo that bought for hundred grand were now worth two hundred grand, and uh, and so I decided to do a ten thirty one exchange, right, a like kind exchange without a tax, uh, you know, tax implications at the time, and move those up into fourplexes, and so I could sell one condo for two hundred grand, move into an eight, you know, half million dollar fourplex without putting any additional cash out of pocket because of the equity would count as a down payment, right, twenty five percent down payment, mm-hmm. and so I did that, you know on four fourplexes. And so that went from four doors to 16 doors without having to put any additional cash into the deal. And, you know, fast forward, I bought those at about half a million dollars. Fast forward four or five years later, those are now worth a million dollars. True story. 
you know, Utah's market's been incredible. So then it was in the last few years, it's been, okay, taking those $1 million assets. Now I have a half million, you know, $600,000 of equity in these deals and parlaying that into either three new fourplexes with no cash out of pocket or into a 20plex or selling two fourplexes and going into a 120 units in Dallas, right? And so it's a really cool way to be able to, you know, scale and and, and build a, a larger portfolio without having to dump a lot of extra cash into you know, the deal. And I share that because I think a lot of, I'm assuming a lot of your listener base even have, you know, if they own property, there's been a lot of appreciation in the market recently. And I think a lot of people are maybe not taking full advantage of that. I agree. I think uh, a return on equity is, is definitely a good metric to look at that's causing me to uh, plan to sell uh, one of my properties this year because the return on equity is not very good. Uh, but I think, you know, one thing in particular that, that sticks out to me is a lot of investors, maybe they get those first couple of condos, or their fir- those first couple of doors, and then they find out that, hey, I'm spending so much time on this. How could I possibly scale? I have this day job that, you know, pays my bills, really just trying to create wealth here. And what, you know, in your mind enabled you to, you know, you're still, you saw the job at that point and you continued scaling your portfolio on the side. I mean, how did you... And you, and you have kids too, right? So they were younger at the time. How are you, you know, keeping all of those, uh, juggling those balls in the air? Hey, that's a, that's actually a really, really good question. I'll share two or three things. One is, I think it's really important that you, you make a decision with intentionality around if you want to be a passive investor or an active investor. I think most people get started wanting to be passive where it's going to be mailbox money and they're just going to be able to not do anything and just own rental property. You can do that, but you've got to go into and set it up that way from the beginning in the right way. And usually what happens people, it ends up being passive, but more active. And it's frustrating because they get so involved in actually managing it or, you know, sourcing tenants or dealing with a, an eviction or whatever else. I will say, you know, out of all my, I don't have ownership in around 1200 uh, rental properties around the country. I don't manage any of those. And frankly, I've never personally managed a single one of my properties. Right. I outsource that to a property management company because I don't get energy from that. And I don't think it's the best use of my time. And so I always outsource that. And that allows me to be truly passive in my approach. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I'd want to share is, and this has probably made the biggest difference for me in my investing career and in my personal life. And that is really taking the time to get crystal clear on why you're investing in the first place. What exactly is the outcome that you really want to get through these investments, right? And, and that's such an important distinction to, to make. And if you get clear on what it is you really want at the end of the day, then simply reverse engineering what decisions and what investments you should make today to make sure it's aligned with the ultimate outcome that you really want in your life. And that's not an easy thing to do. In fact, I have a whole process for it. I call it lifestyle design. And it's you know 10 areas in my life that I want to be really great at. You know, I don't want to just be good at making money or just at business or just at my health. You know, I want to be great at all 10 of these areas. And those areas are, you know, it's health, family, time, finances, business, spiritual relationships, let's see, bucket list, fun, and personal growth. So there are 10 areas I really want to be great at. And I've written down like an entire, you know, <laughs> it's actually like an entire uh, spreadsheet with all 10 chapters. And I've gotten really clear on what I want in each one of those categories. And I'm not perfect in any of them, but I just want to have enough balance to know that, hey, I'm not neglecting, you know, it's because I'm going hard at business or real estate. I don't want to neglect my relationships or my health. And I think it's really important that we're really clear on what we really want at the end of the day in life. And 
know, we could talk for an hour on that topic. I know we got to keep it concise here and kind of high level, but so my point is just get really clear on what you really want at the end of the day. And then we reverse engineer into our investments. Most people make investment decisions based on fear or greed, FOMO, emotion, right? I believe that the key to really effective, smart investing is actually taking the emotion out of the equation. You know, I love the expression that says, the higher the emotion, the lower the intelligence. I think that's very, very true in, in investing. And so personal level, you know, when I was 30 years old, you know, I, I was been talking about wanting financial freedom. There's a big difference between wanting something and being committed to it. And so I sat down for four hours on a Sunday. I'll never forget it. And I just took out a spreadsheet and I said, okay, you know, what is what does that mean, financial freedom? And I got really, really clear and, and, and intentional with my approach. And, you know, I figured I'll share with you real quick. It's actually very simple. I said, okay, you know, on a spreadsheet, line number one, what is my current cost of living? You know, let's say it's 200 grand. Like that's what I need for my family to live comfortably. The next line item is, okay, what's my current passive income? Let's say you have a condo, townhome, some dividend stocks, whatever. Say it's $50,000 of passive income. The next line item is, okay, what's the gap? What's the difference of how much more passive income that I need? In that scenario would be 150 grand, right? The next line item is, how many years am I committing to achieving this, this goal of financial freedom? And for me, it was 10 years. And then, then the next line item is simply, okay, so how much do I need per year? And that'd be $15,000, right? So I get $15,000 of new passive income per year. I will have achieved true financial freedom. And I wrote this whole thing down on a spreadsheet, you know, tied a lot of purpose to it because purpose makes is what makes it fun, right? We get the passion from money is just a tool. It's a facilitator. It's a magnifier. The key is what, what's the real benefit to our lives? Is it freedom? Is it time freedom? Is it experiences? Is it being able to hike Mount Everest? Is it being able to spend time with your kids? Is it being able to, you know, give back? There's a lot of really amazing things we can do with extra time and money. Anyway, so for me, it was, you know, I needed to get 40 rental properties by age 40. And I just got super dialed in on that goal. And every single Sunday, I'd go back and look at my progress and be able to take look at those incremental improvements on what I, I'd done over the last week, right? But writing it down is so important, man, because if you don't write it down, it's just a dream. It's an idea in your, in your mind. When you write it down, you hold yourself accountable and you get to see those improvements, even though they're just, you know, minuscule, little improvements as we go. So anyway... So yeah, it's 40 by 40. So 40 rental properties by age 40. And I, I would achieve that. And, you know, I think there's real power behind that, man. You get, you know what you want, you know what you need, commit to it, apply time, energy, resources. And, you know, it's not an overnight thing, but I think it's a worthy mission. Nice, nice. I like that. I hope our social media uh, person here, Rem, has a, a field day with all these quotes you're dropping. There's so many, uh, you know, golden nuggets in here. There's so many, so much great knowledge and wisdom that you're you're providing us. And you mentioned not getting like greedy in your investments or or not feeling fear. And just to kind of tie it back into as you scaled your your portfolio and remained passive. I think one decision a lot of people face when they're getting started, they're buying those initial rental rental properties is, man, I'm going to have to pay a property manager eight or 10% of my gross income. Nah, I'm just going to do it myself and, and, you know, save that money. And, you know, I, I can do all that stuff. And you mentioned that doesn't give you energy. I've never managed any of my rentals either because it doesn't give me energy and I would be horrible at it. I would be so bad at that job. But what do you think it is that keeps people from, from giving up that control? Is it greed? Is it fear? And what are your thoughts around you know, getting around that, dealing with that? 
Yeah, I think that a lot of it is just kind of a scarcity mindset. You know, it's you want to kind of hold on to something and protect it. You know, you made a big investment into it. And so you want to, and, and frankly, I'm guilty of this too. I mean, I, I definitely have more of kind of a sort of a perfectionist. And so I'm always trying to micromanage and make sure it's done right. And so as we delegate, you know, it, it, it is for me, it's been, a, it's been a challenge, honestly. Even on that note, like, you know, going from, I've always been a solopreneur and did everything, you know, oversaw it myself. And that's something I loved about going into the fun world, you know, real estate fun world is I now have a team of four other partners that are incredible. And I have a fund manager and a, and a financial manager, and a deputy fund manager, and an executive assistant. I have this team where we can go and, and, and go dominate together. And, you know, it's something that I wasn't really used to doing that, but it, Man, it's beautiful when you can collaborate and have a sounding board of like-minded people that are on the same mission that you're on. And so I think it has been, you know, something I had to be very intentional with in terms of delegating and, and, and trusting other people to help because I feel like you can only do so much yourself. We, we all have 168 hours in a week. And so, but if you can effectively delegate, then you can really focus on what moves the needle and spend your time on your core competency and what's really going to help you scale. And I think a, a key there, and one last comment, you know, maybe this is the best way of looking at should you be a property manager or not is simply say, okay, what is my time worth? Right. So you say, okay, on an annual basis, you know, what's my, my annual earnings today or what you want it to be? I'd say probably what you want it to be realistically in the next year or two. And then you divide that by, you know, 52 weeks and 40 hours. I think it's, was that 1200 out? I just do 2000. 2000 is easy. 2000. There you go. Right. And so if you take your hope income for the year divided by 2000 hours, whatever that number is, let's say it's 25 bucks as an example, then you say, okay, is, is, is my time better spent mowing the lawn or delegating that to a yard maintenance company? Is it managing, you know, changing toilet seats and, 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 and running background checks on these tenants? Or is it earning more money to be able to go invest in more real estate? Right. So it's really a simple way of looking at it. But I, I try to do that on a weekly basis with my own schedule. I say, okay, you know, what's the best and highest use of my time? And I think that's a, that's a very important, that's a high quality question to ask yourself. Absolutely. That's, that question has helped me too, but I think it's, there's a, there's a, a double edge to that particular question, for, particularly for you know, people with families or, you know, something that is never going to make you money, right? Spending time with your, your kids, your, you know, uh, your, your spouse, whatever, it's not making you any money, but it, it has value and it feels a little gauche to, to put a dollar figure on that. But if we spend our lives solely motivated by, you know, dollars per hour, then I think we're just going to be miserable. So how do you strike that balance in, you know, creating time for those, those other 10 things on your list that don't have a monetary value? And as you think about that, I'll just say my fiance and I spent the whole weekend just doing our thing, you know, over the weekend, we spent the weekend together. I, you know, put, business aside and you know we just we just did our own thing this weekend and it's is great you have to do that and to you know frankly live a, a happy and fulfilled life so how do you handle that for yourself so here's what i do every sunday i sit down for 1 hour and i call it a power hour and it's on my calendar that time is is blocked off and I'll take my my upcoming week and I look at everything that i've got to do between my six businesses and you know everything else and then I call it chunking. And so I start with the top. So I'm looking at my calendar for the next week. Okay. And I say, okay, what's the number one thing for me that's most important? And the answer is my family. So I say, okay, okay, so I need to get family time on here and it's non-negotiable. So in a, in a different color, right, on my calendar, I'll have, you know, Monday nights of family night, my family. 
Tuesday night is Sushi Tuesday with the, all the kids we go out for sushi. Every Thursday night, I have four kids. I'll do a, a dad, daughter, father, son date with my kids for one hour, one to two hours. And so I get time with my kids, you know, one kid per month for two hours of just one-on-one time, which by the way, is a great best practice. It's so fun to, they're just different. They're way more open when they're, it's just you and, you know, one-on-one versus even with, you know, two kids or the rest of the kids, I mean, every Friday night, state night, every Sunday is ice cream Sunday, a family. We have some of these traditions that, you know, we do every week and it's just really, it's a kind of safeguard that other priority, right? Number two priority for me is my health, right? You got to protect your energy. So every morning from six to eight o'clock uh, is my win the morning routine, right? And so I'm waking up at six o'clock, I'm getting a big cup of water. I'm going to go work out for five minutes in my home gym. I'm going to take a, sh- a shower for two minutes. I'm going to um, read for 15 to 20 minutes. I'm going to spend 15 minutes with my kids and I'm going to spend five minutes like meditation, prayer, and then a quick uh, gratitude list for the day. And so I do that two hour routine. A lot of guys are like, man, that's crazy. You spend two hours a day. It's kind of, you know, kind of wasting a lot of time. To me, I feel like if you win the morning, you're going to win the day. And not every day, but the majority of the days you're going to win because you are attacking the day. You're in control. You are being very proactive in your approach and you're taking care of yourself and your health and you're, you've allocated your time for the day efficiently. And then you go and you jump into it. So I think that my key is, is, I think my calendar. So, you know, so I check out that time for health. Next is Axia. So I go through the week and I'll, I'll carve out time. And I call it chunking. And so I chunk my calendar for the next week based on my priorities, not what's most urgent, right? But what is the most urgent to, to, to Dave and what I, what I believe is going to create a meaningful and purposeful life. Nice. Nice. Okay. So it's very deliberate. It's done week by week. And I appreciate that you lined out that you're not going by just what's urgent because urgent things are, are always going to come up, right? And that could easily dominate your calendar. And then you're not going to get more long-term very important, but less urgent things taken care of. You got it. And then also like I hired an executive assistant, you know, I think that's it, you know, for anybody that has a lot on their plate, you know, hiring assistants, you can delegate and offload is smart, or at least a VA, a virtual assistant to help out with some of those things. You know, I also hired all of my children um, as employees of my real estate company. Uh, so it's been really fun to help, you know, teach them re- the real estate game. And there's also some tax advantages there, right? Uh, with how you structure that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I think it's just, it, it really comes down to just being as efficient as possible and creating maximum value. You know, I could talk for a long, long time on that one. You know, a great book is Atomic Habits. Really, really enjoyed that book. And it's all about optimizing your habits because I think a lot of times people, they really focus on their motivation and how they feel. But uh, in my opinion, motivation is fleeting. It's an emotion. What really makes a difference long-term is the habits that we incorporate on a daily basis, Right. You know, again, emotion might be motivation might be important to get you to set the habits and commit to it. But long term, man, it's all about your your habits. You know, I love the expression that says, you know, I think it's Tony Robbins. He says that you know we overestimate what we can do in a one year period and we underestimate what we can do in a five year period. It's just having a little more of a midterm, long term perspective. I, I really feel like it's it's powerful. Yeah. So I mean, that's you know, I guess when it comes down to what I'm really saying is intentionality. You know. I think living life with intention is so important. And most people don't do that, man. They're going through life, just reactive, whatever's thrown at them, how they're feeling for the day. And it's really not, you know, there's not enough purpose and, and intentionality in our approach. You know, and another one last uh, expression I've been saying a lot lately is, you know, I think most people spend more time planning out like their annual vacation than they do planning out their life. 
Yeah. Think about that for a minute. That's crazy. Right. And, you know, I've been surprised when I, I got this from when I was managing all these sales guys across the country. I'm like, Hey man, so, you know, what's your, why, what's your purpose? What are you here for? And they can always give like a quick, you know, one-liner, like I want to, you know, a big house, I want a sports car, but you dive into a little bit deeper and they want freedom, but they, you dive in deeper and it gets really, really, really unclear, really quick. And so, yeah, for me, that's been probably my, my superpower has just been getting clear on what I really want, identifying that. Nice. I like that. And I really want to come to and, and make sure we address, you know, the, the scary thing that a lot of people are afraid of doing, even when they hit the point that they, they can do it. You left the corporate world at one point, you know, presumably, I don't know, we'll, we'll ask this question. You made the decision. All right, I'm out. I'm going to go uh, do my own thing. Now I've created, you know, all this passive income. Tell us about you know, making that decision, making the dive, how it happened. Were you scared? Were you excited? You know, walk us through it. It's been a few years since you did it. Yeah. So I would say, again, I've always thrived on, on kind of, you know, always trying to push myself to be uncomfortable with things. And I, which might sound really weird, you know, when I, <laughs> when you hear that, but you know, throughout life, I mean, I've always like, if something scares you, it usually means you should do it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and I've, you know, based, you know, skydiving eight times and like literally anything that's been, that scares me, I've, I've just kind of done it. And, um, and it's fun, man, that we don't, you don't have that fear in your life anymore because you've already done it. You've already caught, you crossed that bridge. And so, you know, when I had the opportunity to, to step out of my 17 year career and go full time in real estate, it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. And it stressed me out, man. I made a spreadsheet. My wife makes fun of me because I, I spreadsheet everything, pros mm-hmm. and cons, like very analytical, you know, and, you know, and the pros of stepping out were less than the cons, you know, but mostly it was just uncomfortable. It was, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, to leave something after 17 years and it's very safe and stable and there's certainty. And then leaving that for uncertainty and walking into this completely new space, not completely new, but fully committing to this, this space in real estate. Man, I got to say, I've never regretted it for a minute. I think life's full of chapters and it's fun to be able to close one chapter and jump into, you know, you know, head first, jump into a new chapter. There's just an energy that comes from that, man. And you know, a lot of times when I've done that in life, I don't even know exactly how I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. It's just like, you know, take a big bite and then figure out how to chew it later. And, um, you know, it's to me, it's again, personal, personal growth is really important. And I've gotten that through just taking on big deals and big bites. And so, you know, with the 17 year career, it started to feel like Groundhog Day, where it was kind of the same thing. Love the people, love the money, loved a lot of things, but I wasn't getting that personal growth and that that forward progression, which therefore made me feel a little more unfulfilled. You know, and I think people think that if they have more money, they're going to have this fulfillment. I don't. I don't know if that's true, man. I, I my experience has been more. You know, I set these goals and I fight hard for them. When I hit the goal, I definitely celebrate. You know, for an hour or maybe a day. But then it's like, all right, well, what's next? You know, what's what's the next thing here? And I'd even say like right now today, like I don't need to be you know working. But 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 I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my career. But it's because it's things that I really am passionate about that I that I want to be doing right with the people I want to be doing it with. And man, that's to me that's 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 beautiful when you blend work with play and, and with your friends, where you're just kind of doing business together. And anyway, so walking back through it, it's just been you know really the pursuit of forward progression and. Life short, man. And I want no regrets. I, I, it's kind of a motto of mine is just have no regrets. And I can look back at my life and there's definitely plenty of lessons learned, but I, 
I can say I don't have any regrets. I appreciate some of the missteps. I appreciate some of the, the bad deals I've done in real estate. I learned so much from it. But I think at the end of the day, here's my last thing uh, on this topic. At the end of the day, when I look back at my life, I believe that most people have more regret in their life having not taken shots than having taken shots and failed at it. And I'd rather look back at my life and say, hey, Dave already took advantage of every opportunity presented to him and he jumped into it and he did the best he could to take advantage of every opportunity to create an amazing quality of life for him and his family and those he cares about and to create maximum value as, as kind of a legacy. So that's, I don't know, that's kind of a long answer, but hopefully that was helpful. <laughs> no, I certainly appreciate that. And I can tell, you know, say, look back on your life, I man, you've got a lot of life left. So, you know, it's, there's, there's plenty ahead of you. So I appreciate uh, that you dug into that for us right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Dave, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, first one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? So... Oh man, that's tough. I, I mentioned those first, those first four condos, right? Hundred thousand each, and they went to four plexes. And then because I parlayed that through these ten thirty one exchanges, that's been really good. But I'd probably have to go to uh, when Goldman Sachs was our equity partner at uh, this company selling home security systems. It's called Vivint Vivint Sarum. There was an liquidity event two thousand twelve where they were replaced by Blackstone as a as our equity partner. And we had the opportunity to invest in the company as class A shareholders with Black, you know, alongside with Blackstone with the same terms. Nice. And so I scrounged together, you know, all the liquidity that I could possibly get, which was, you know, most financial books would say don't invest, you know, more than say 10% back into your employer where you're getting your income from. Man, I went, I went pretty deep on it. And uh, <laughs> you know, and it was it just felt right. And you know, at the end of the day, it ended up being I don't know, a 12, 13X on, on that investment. And so that one's probably the, the best investment I've made. Nice. But like you said, most financial books will give you the the reasonable advice not to do that, but it worked out for you. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Worst investment ever. Well, going back to best investment, I bought some Bitcoin at, you know, Six seven thousand dollars. So years back, that's actually been. We'll see. I'll get back to you in a few years on. Yeah, that was right, the best exactly. ever on that one. Right. But worst investment is probably my first time jumping into multifamily, and this was honestly about two thousand and six. I read a book called How to Invest in Real Estate for Dummies, like those black and yellow books, right? And I figured I knew how to do multifamily now. And so I went out in the market and I, I found a fourplex in Salt Lake County, and this was in like two thousand seven, like like. 2607, like the hottest part of the market. And there's no inventory. There's one multifamily asset in the entire Salt Lake County market. Ooh. And uh, looked at it, liked it, decided to buy it. Closing table, signed my name on the contract. And then the, the, my, my agent that I 
you know, Google to find a real estate agent. She was across the table and she's like, Hey Dave, I just want to say thank you for my first real estate transaction. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on. How did I not find out about this until now? That was my fault though, right? My due diligence. I should have asked that question, obviously. Seven months later, you know, I'm making good cash flow on it. All of a sudden I get a, a letter from the, the county or from the city saying I needed to evict two of my tenants because it was being illegally uh, rented as a fourplex when it was actually only a duplex. Oh, man. And it turns out there's a duplex with two mother-in-law apartments down in the basement. So we had four families living there and it was it was misrepresented to me. And so I had to evict two of those streams of income, went to a duplex, started negative cash flowing. And then 2007, 8, 9, 10, housing collapse came, came about. Uh, I sold it in 2010. I got to about a $60,000 loss on the exit and literally learned everything about what not to do in a real estate deal, right? So again, I'm actually really grateful for that though, because yeah, again, lessons learned along the way. So that was the worst worst deal I've ever done. Hey, I want to share, Taylor, one one thing real quick, just as a, as a best practice, I want to share out of and again, I'm a pretty calculated guy and I like my spreadsheets, but I have every, I have a spreadsheet with every single investment I've ever done in my life and, uh, have them categorized by category, how much money went in, what the return investment was. And I put a, a grade next to it, or like a score so I could see which categories have done best. But most importantly, on the far right hand side, I have a column that says lessons learned. And it's literally, you know, if it was a home run deal, like what did I do to help make sure it was a good deal? If I lost money on it, what could I have done differently to have avoided that being a bad investment? And what I've learned is that you can usually do a lot, you can mitigate a lot of those risks up front if you're just aware of what those risks might be. And so by writing down those notes and those takeaways, it really helps you identify your own investor DNA and like what your strengths, weaknesses are when it comes to investing. So I challenge or invite your listener base to do something along those lines. Nice. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that you you shared that investment with us. And for a lot of people, that would have been their last real estate investment ever. They wouldn't have gone and you know bought those condos and continued to you know scale to where you are today and where you're going to be in the future. And you, I think that really speaks to your focus on you know, getting pushing your your comfort zone, just getting outside of your your comfort zone and continuing to push that. So, really interesting. And I appreciate you sharing that with us today. My favorite question here at the end of the show is: What is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Gosh, man, that could be a whole podcast For right sure there. Could. Yeah. That one question. I'm going to say mindset is everything. You know, the six inches of real estate between your ears. I mean, that's anything you do to invest in in that real estate will pay an exponential dividend or a great ROI for you down the road. So, you know, just thinking big and, and improving your mindset, eliminating, you know, limiting belief systems. But I also want to say another thing that really helped a lot was getting to a point where I could understand how to how to leverage other people's money to be able to do syndications and funds and create value for them by coming into my deals. And so it's a true win-win situation. And, and you know, I never even thought about that by the first 10 years of investing in real estate. I could actually go to my friends and my coworkers, my brother, my family and, and do deals together. And that's been a really fun way to, to approach real estate. But the number one thing that I learned in real estate and business would be that lifestyle design. It's getting clear on the end game. It's, you know, if you can just figure out, spend the time, invest the time to figure out what you really want in life, how you quantify a meaningful, purposeful, passionate life, like a, a life well lived, you get clear on that. And then you just simply reverse engineer everything else. And what that does is it allows us to make higher quality decisions today that are more aligned with our purpose and what we really want to get out of life. And I feel like that right there 
is probably been the greatest lesson learned in business and real estate. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of the wisdom that you shared with us. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? I'd say I'm definitely most active on social media. So Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram is where I'm most active. It's Dave Allred, pretty easy to find. And then with Axia, you can go to axiapartners.com or my email is dave at axiapartners.com. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll catch you on the next one. Take care.